So, hi. Um, my name is Nikki, um, and, and just to give you a little bit about my background, um, I work in Hollywood as a freelance director-producer, and I also ha work in ministry. I'm actually a missionary to Hollywood, and so which I know a lot of you guys are now for at least a short term this week. And um, so I work within the media to make an impact on the media and the people in it for the kingdom of God. And um, I work with a ministry, the name I work with is called PRISM, which stands for Partnering to Reach the Industry of Stage and Media Arts. And I keep a very low profile in terms of the structure because I partner with a number of ministries and churches um, to basically impact projects, share the gospel with people, discipleship, and... Um, and strategies. So that's kind of my thing. And then I also do freelance work as a director producer, which helps um, to open doors <laughs> and make a way. So that's a little bit about me. And I put my card here if anybody wants it. And um, I started off. I came here, and because I didn't realize when I came here, I came because the Lord told me to come here about uh, 13 years ago. And um, and after I got here, two things be I became aware of. I had been working as a director in theater up north in San Francisco. And one of the things that I was like, wow, this is the center of influence. This is the place that's impacting the world. So I'm sure you all are aware of that. That's why you came here. And, um, you know, there was a, there was a, uh, a book done um, at the turn of the century called Material World. And somebody went around the world, and they did photographs. I don't know if any of you have seen it. They just took pictures. They asked everybody from all over the world to put everything they had out on their front lawn. And um, so all their material possessions. And it's amazing what you see. In some of the more prosperous countries, you see all this stuff. And, of course, there's a television. But in some of the tribal areas where people have almost nothing, like hardly any food, the huts where they maybe four things, the big centerpiece is their television. There's even one picture on a canoe with a television in the middle of it. And so it really shows you what the impact is. I mean, the biggest rated show, I think it's in Africa, is um, is the um, Phil, uh, what's his name? The, Dr. Phil? No, 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 not Phil. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer oh, show. And and the other one that, was, that goes out a lot that's a big hit is the Baywatch Babes. So you wonder why people around the world have an impression of America as this horrible, corrupt place. <laughs> I mean, it is, but there's also good, too. But that's what's being marketed around the world. Now, media is drastically changing, and, you know, people say that the movie theater is actually the new church, that, that people will remember a sermon... They'll walk out of church and they won't. They'll remember maybe one concept from a sermon a half hour later, but by the next day they don't even remember what the sermon was about. And yet movies, people walk out. They did these surveys, and people remember lines from movies months and years later. And so the impact that film has taken in our culture is is huge. And people say it's the new pulpit, really, where ideas and um, things that are influencing people and uh, impacting people are having a big effect. Um, there's a debate of, um, for years as to whether film is a reflector of culture or an effector of culture. So are we looking and being, seeing what's being reflected or is it actually shaping our culture and our society? And I say both, actually. And, um, and so as believers, you know, what happened years ago, I'm just, what I want to do is cover a little tiny bit about the significance of Hollywood, um, a little bit about the AFM, and then I want to talk about some of the... Um, the spiritual dynamic here, um, and um, and then I'm going to do a sort of a vocabulary orientation of terminology that you to give you an overview, so that when you are um, sharing the Lord with people or praying, 
you know, some of the things are going to be for prayer, so you understand some of the spiritual dynamics, and some of the things are going to be just vocabulary, very pragmatic, so that you don't look like an idiot when you're talking to people. <laughs> and uh, so that's part of part of what I'm going to be doing. And then Derek's going to talk about some of the inner workings of the AFM, what's on every floor, how to know, navigate your way around, and all of that, because he's very experienced in the film market arena. So, um, so anyways. Um, uh, as I was saying, so Hollywood, you know, like I said, it's a huge influence. But right now, we're going through a big shift in media change from when nobody knows what, nobody knows anything, basically. Nobody knows what's going to happen because of the digital revolution. But one thing that everybody knows is that story and film is going to continue, whether it continues on the internet, on mobile phone, little little mini movies, in the movie theaters, um, on television. And so there's a big wave right now with the digital revolution, and nobody knows what things are. And because of that, um, there's been a huge amount of piracy. There's been a huge amount of um, people leaving television, going to the Internet, um, a lot of fear about what's happening with the market. And so what you're going to see is things have shifted. There's a huge amount of fear and concern because just like everything else in the country has gone down economically, the film industry as well. Part of that also contributes to there have been some new technologies um, in the last few years in terms of digital technology. So 20 years ago, my gosh, to get a piece of film would cost an enormous amount of money because the process of filmmaking is very expensive. Well, now you have people, you know, coming out of Oklahoma or Texas, they take out their camera, they can make pretty high-quality-looking stuff. And, they're, and do viral marketing on the Internet and things like the Blair Witch Project making millions and millions of dollars. And so there's, it's like the Wild West. People call it the Wild West right now. So when you think of what people came out here for the gold rush and everybody was kind of sneaking out their territory and nobody knew what's happening, that's kind of the spirit of what's going on now. Everybody's trying to grab who's going to have the control and the power of the media, who's going to make their money, and... Um, now, the same kind of fear happened when VHS tapes came out, that, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to go to the movies anymore. And it actually, it increased movie sales and had very little impact. And then, again, that happened with DVDs. And so people aren't expecting that movie theater attendance is going to go down. But what the form and the shape of distribution looks like is, is changing incredibly. And so it's good to be aware of that because that's what's on the minds of people who are here today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, so I thought, so so one of the things I realized when I came here is not only that Hollywood was the center of influence, but I'm also a Jewish believer. And, you know, when I when I got out, of, I went to USC for grad school, and when I got out, I started doing um, a lot of looking across over directing for sitcom television. So I went from show to show to show as an observing director, you know, on Seinfeld, and Everybody Loves Raymond, and suddenly Susan. And I started a list of people to pray for. And they're called above-the-line people, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And um, and I had about 150 names of key people, some famous, some powerful that you wouldn't know of, but they really run everything. And all of a sudden I realized, my gosh, like 148 of those 150 people are Jewish. And all of a sudden I went, oh, right, hello. <laughs> and you always hear, now you always hear, oh, there's a lot of Jewish people in Hollywood. Well, above the line, and we're going to talk about what that means. And, and I was sort of running from Jewish missions my whole life. I mean, I have tons of training in it. I, you know, was raised Jewish. And all of a sudden I went, oh, all the training came together. Now, now I want to tell you about that just for a second because um, in January of this year, Joel Stein, who is a 
uh, writer for the LA Times, wrote an article. And um, actually, if you go to my website, I have it posted, you can see it there if you want to take a card later. It's called How Jewish is Hollywood. It's very funny. And the significant thing about it, he says that only 22% of Americans believe that Jews control Hollywood anymore. Now, that is because people didn't want to have racial stereotyping, and so the Anti-Defamation League has done a really big campaign, you know, to take away the negative image, like, Jews are controlling Hollywood, like people are getting in a back room and controlling things like a mannequin. But then Joel sort of takes the other part, and he goes, how stupid, he goes, Jews totally control Hollywood. And then he goes to, to elaborate that every single studio head, every single network executive, every single head of a major agency are all Jewish. And he says, and he's, and he, he's very humorous in how he presents it. And so you go backwards in time and say, well, how did that happen? Well, in the turn of the century, I mean, uh, in the early 1900s, not the turn of the century, when movies were first being made, Thomas Edison held the patents on movies. And um, he didn't actually make movies, although he was the first movie filmmaker, but he was attributed as that because he actually held the patents. And if you, and you look at some of the early movies, like Birth of a Nation, which were very famous, well, they're about the Ku Klux Klan coming in white supremacy, and they depict blacks and Jews and any of the ethnic minorities that were immigrants here in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. And then the white male um, wasp kind of uh, KKK come and save the day, and they're the heroes that take the vows. So you had these Jewish immigrants that came over here from Europe, um, and and were furriers, clothing people, Adolf Zucker, um, Carl Lemley. Adolf Zucker founded Paramount, Carl Lemley, Lemley Theaters, um, Samuel Goldwyn, Metro Goldwyn Mayer. All of these guys were immigrants that came from Europe. And Jewish people really were not allowed to work in very many places at that time. So they were allowed to work in banking and Hollywood or movies. It wasn't Hollywood yet. Movies because that was considered um, sort of not somewhere where a proper Christian American would go. And so a lot of the films that were being shown, the the early Nickelodeons were in arcades. There were those little things you put in a nickel and wind up. And and so so a lot of uh, Christians are quote-unquote, you know, white Americans didn't want to go into those arcades. So uh, the Jewish people that Thomas Edison hired were these immigrants. And they went in and they saw an opportunity for business and they did good. And then they were working for this guy who was putting out a lot of these kind of racial stereotypical films, and so they came west and formed Hollywood, and that's where the foundations of Hollywood came from. And so all of the studios they formed to model after the shtetls that grew up within Europe, where everybody could live in a community, and you could eat, and you could have clothes, and all of that, and then they um, and they modeled all of the studios after that. And so that was the foundations, and so sort of come, come down from there. Now, the AFM but I think that's important to know as you're praying in terms of where, what's going on there. And also, you know, the Jewish community being the apple of God's eye and God saying, I will bless those who bless thee and the gospel to the Jew first. It, that's kind of a core of some of what's going on here in Hollywood is that you have a group of people who have never heard the gospel who are running the motion picture industry. Okay, and so we have a great uh, responsibility as a church to provoke Israel, the Jewish people, to jealousy. That's my little tag about that. Now, the AFM, what's going on here, is eight, this, is a, this is a film market. It's not a film festival. Now, there are five markets in the world today, and some of them are combined festivals and markets. Everybody serves the Cannes Film Festival. Well, the Cannes is a film festival and a film market. 
But AFM is only a market. And so what that means is that all of the product that's made, people come here from all over the world to program their television stations, their movie theaters. And so it's like a, it's just like any kind of a market. You think you're selling a wear. And so everybody's here. So there's this mad frenzy at the first half of AFM where people are doing meetings. And you're going to find people are probably not going to really want to sit down and have little chats with you. Although Derek is going to talk about the different types of people that are here. Yeah? And what are to kind of ascertain, like, what would be the appropriate people that would be more open and what the timing is if you're going to be talking to people. Um, I'm going to start, before we get into that, I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to just read you two little short paragraphs of something that I, I felt would be kind of a humorous way of starting off with illustrating you some of the, spirit, the spiritual dynamic here. How am I doing time-wise? Oh, okay. When you go when did we start? 47. We started at like 10:40. Oh no, we didn't start. Oh yeah, my clock is fast. Sorry, 10:40 on my clock, which is 10:30 on yours. So um, yeah, so I'm gonna go till I'll go I'll go like another 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna read you two little entries from my journal because both of these entries, I thought rather than me just talking about it, will give you an essence of a couple of the spirits that are here for those of you that are praying. And then we're going to talk about the kind of people and the timing of it for those of you that are in dialogue and in conversation and knowing who and how and when to talk. So, um, okay, so I'll come back to the film festival. Let me talk about this. So I told you I was observing all these TV shows for a while, right? I was going from show to show to show. And so I started a journal and I started keeping things. And I pulled out two paragraphs from this that I thought I would, two stories I would share that I think will highlight a couple of things, okay? So um, I was trying to get to direct a primetime television show. And so I was observing and I was going to the different shows and then I'd have to get approved, you have to get approved by the network, the studio, the showrunner, and the celebrity if there's a celebrity-driven show. And you have to everybody say yes. So who you know, yes is a no. So let me tell you a story that was told to me so you can understand the implication of the double talk here. I had been observing on a show, it was a first season comedy. I can tell you off record it was actually... Okay, okay. So, <clears throat> so over the weeks I was on the set, I got to know the network executive in charge of the show. Now, the network exec is the one who oversees the show. They work for the network, and they make sure scripts, casting, etc., are to the liking of the network. So, I asked her if I could set up a meeting with her, and plans were made. I took the elevator up to the ominous high rise that housed the network's offices. The network was. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> I don't want that on the internet. Do you all see that? Okay. <clears throat> so I informed the receptionist I was there, and as always, the executive assistant came out suggesting I take a seat and asking if I would like water. Yes, that would be nice. Tepid or cold? Uh, tepid, thank you. I sat down. <laughs> He's laughing at standard fare. Tepid, yes. You can always be sure that the assistant will offer you water and frequently ask you if you want it tepid or cold. After, after only a 15-minute wait and profuse apologies, Sia, I was ushered into the programming executive's office. We made the usual chit-chat, bantered about the show, how eccentric the showrunner was, and I handed her my resume. Interesting thing to note here. It, typical Hollywood fare is about two minutes of banter and chit-chat about movies, about whatever. Even if you're doing a business deal, you always start there. Even if you're sharing the Lord, you always, what's the common thing to talk about? Okay. I knew that regardless of who wanted me to direct an episode of the show, unless the network approved me directing, my attempts at directing television would be futile. Sally, we'll call her, uh, looked at my directing resume and decided to explain to me another part of what I see are the key realities of how this system works. She said, it mattered not how much she or anyone else liked me. She said, 
What if I approved you directing an episode of this show and something went wrong? And for some reason, the numbers went down this week. What if there was a football game on and everybody was watching the football game that night? What if something went wrong and it was a bad script? All of a sudden, my boss, Jamie Tarsus at the time, would be looking to see what was different about the show that week that wasn't there the previous weeks. Now, it doesn't matter if the script was bad or the viewers were out of town. The first thing they're going to notice is, aha, a first-time director, who approved her? And there goes my job. She went on to explain that it doesn't matter if the showrunner, head honcho of the show, wants you to direct because he's not a proven showrunner. This is the first show that he's doing on his own. So this was a guy who had worked on a number of hit shows, like, but it was his first show that he was running. And so she said to me, it doesn't matter if he wants you to do it because this is his first time doing it now. And here's the key thing. On the other hand, if there was a big celebrity attached to the show, or if a huge money-making producer wanted me to direct, then she explained I could point to them and say, well, so-and-so wanted her direct. And, of course, everyone would know I couldn't argue with them, so I'm off the hook. So that was the system. Basically, everybody's looking to cover their rear end. Okay, and so what is that motivated by, do you think? Fear. 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 There is a huge spirit of fear in this town because things happen randomly and nobody knows who's talking to anyone. Somebody can go from being a waiter one day to being a multi-million dollar celebrity the next day. Back to being a waiter. Back to being a waiter the following day. <laughs> and so this town is run on fear. So she wasn't saying, I don't want you to direct. She was just saying, have somebody approve that I can point to so I'm not on the line. And then we can give you a show first season. Otherwise, you need to wait till it, the show's a reliable show because first season we're looking at all the numbers. And, of course, the show got canceled. Okay, so that's the one thing we want to pray with. You need to realize people are afraid. And they're afraid of their jobs. They're afraid that you might be somebody important. So the first thing everybody's going to do is suss out who are you, how important are you, and are you going to help me or hurt me in my job? And that is one of the spirits that really controls Hollywood, which is really, you know, needs to be broken. And even in the church, I'm sorry to say. So um, can I get some cream? So I hope it's okay reading these stories. So it kind of gives you the spirit of it in terms of just saying, oh, there's a spirit of fear. But Okay, I'm going to read one more little one, and then I'm going to go on to terminology. Okay, and this is called The Line. Okay, there's something of the caste system in Hollywood. It's called The Line. Being above the line puts you in the upper echelon. It means you make ten times as much money as those working hard below the line, who are not exactly starving either. Above the line are the writers, directors, and producers, the creative staff. Oh, and I suppose the talent, though they really have their own line to cross. Once you're a big enough actor to be referred to behind your back by a name instead of talent, then you have accomplished some type of status. If you're working as an extra, well, then you don't even get called talent the TV extras seem to be treated better, oh, better than film extras. Okay, On films, they're called background, as they're referred to. They're usually headed into a big room, like cattle, where they sit on the floor for hours, hoping to go into golden time so they can make a few extra dollars per hour. How do I know? I made the mistake of being an extra that stood in for Melanie Griffith the first week I was in Los Angeles. Standing next to Brian De Palma was an eye-opening experience, but it was enough for me to know that doing extra work was not how to break in in this town. Okay, so they are looked at as sort of the scum of the earth. There is sort of a caste system in Hollywood. And so the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to try to ascertain where are you in this caste system, okay? What is your role? Are you above the line or are you below the line? And how far below the line are you? <laughs> but I digress. 
the mm-hmm. line. Crossing mm-hmm. over the line is a near impossibility. There are a few who have done it, and I applaud them. But the line actually refers to a line that's drawn on cruise sheets and a budget that separates the so-called creative team from those who are implementing their decisions. Now, as observer, I was usually with all the above-the-line people. When you're above the line, you have a special chair with your name and sometimes title on it. When you are above the line, you get special food in a special room with a special monitor to watch during the show. The executives are in the same room with the ones who are above the line. Now, once before I understood the line, I saw an empty chair in front of a monitor and I climbed up on it. The fact that it said Seinfeld on it escaped me since Jerry was in the middle of rehearsing a scene. The gazelle-like producer of the show came over and gently whispered to me, You're in Jerry's chair. Though he obviously didn't need it at the moment, I knew enough to get up. I guess he didn't hold it against me since he once asked my opinion later on a rotating tire in a window that I found up wound up in the show on the TV screen. From then I avoid chairs, all chairs with all names on them. I stand, I stood a lot. I asked ADs if it was okay to sit in so-and-so's chair when I couldn't take standing any longer. Um... And uh, frequently, a kind of DP or assistant director would come over and offer me a chair. Think of the line as an impenetrable wall that you can never climb over. If someone is a friend of another above-the-line person, the implication is, well, they belong on that side of the line as well. So it's not only are you on the line, but who do you know that's above the line? Because that would give you credibility, too. Isn't this amazing? (laughs) To learn all this about the dynamics here? Maybe you all know this already. No? Okay. Anyways... All right, and that's in my journal. I was going to publish it, but I decided, out of fear, it would totally destroy my career. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, um, so, so that is one of the spirits we want to pray about, is fear, and the other one is image. Okay, so image, who, what your appearance, who you appear like. And so you'll find, if people think you're important, if they think you're impressive, and, you know, how as believers do we not... How you dress. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, people identify you, but also who you know, and, you know, um, and that's why you'll find a lot of name dropping and all kinds of things like that. So what's going to happen when you encounter people is those are the things that are unspoken that they're going to be looking for, that you're, nobody's going to tell you, I want to know how important you are, but that's what they're looking at. And so you can pray against those spirits, the image, impression, and the fear, because those are two strongholds for those of you who are praying. Any questions about that before I go on? Okay. Okay, great. All right, so now I'm going to pass out some things, and I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes just going over some terminology and orienting you so you know what you're talking about when you meet people. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know all this, but... Oh, yeah, it's, yeah you nailed it. It's just I fun hearing you. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes maybe I'll write up the rest of my journal pages. You can learn all about the rest of Hollywood. <laughs> okay. So, so let's start with, these are just some notes. Um, and I want to start with the phases of movies. Because when you're talking to people, the less you know. So given what I just told you, don't even look at this yet. I'm not going to go through all of this. But given what I just told you, you see how if somebody goes, oh, I'm here, I'm here trying to get development funds. And you go, what's that? Okay, you lose all credibility, pretty much. You're a Yahoo from the outside who knows nothing. <laughs> so, so you know, you look at Paul and Mars Hill, and Paul was very savvy in how he shared with people. He, he didn't go and say, well, this is really stupid, you've got all these gods. He, he looked and he went, oh, the unknown god, and he found the point of connection, 
And he said, I'm going to talk about the unknown God and use that as a jumping off point to share the gospel. So part of the reason I'm giving you this is not to turn you into Hollywood people, but to give you the tools to realize that God, you know, multiple times in the scripture gives us examples of people who are um, knew their times and seasons. You know, the sons of, um, what's it called? It's a car. Who were commended for knowing the times. Now, they were actually weather people that could see the weather patterns, but they went ahead and they knew the times and seasons. And so, God is calling people today, I think when we minister, to know the times and seasons, to find those points of connection, to, to say, okay, what's the unknown God? What's the point I can talk to here? And so, um, and again, we have a model of Daniel, you know, going in, living, you see a model of Daniel as living a life where he was inside a corrupt king's palace and sometimes. He, he was very savvy, knew the culture, moved through it, and then sometimes didn't bend. Knew where to blend for the sake of the kingdom and where not to bend for the sake of, the, of well, there wasn't a gospel yet, but for the sake of God. And so, um, so as I'm telling you this, I'm telling this to give you some tools so that you understand, so that you can find points of connection. And I find it takes two minutes to make a friend, really, and then you're in, you know. So, and people, people assess you so quickly. So the phases of movies, there are really three primary phases of movie making, okay, and, we're, and that is development, production, and distribution. So let me just talk a little bit about each of these areas, okay. <clears throat> development, usually people people are in roles, and they're usually development and acquisitions. So uh, I'll talk about acquisitions later, but I just put it up there, even though acquisitions it has nothing to do with development, usually a person holds both titles. So the way movies get made, production companies, they either are finding a movie that's been made already that they think is going to happen, they're acquiring it, or they're finding a property, whether it's an idea, a story, a book, a script, a talent, something, and they're developing something around it. Now, when a script, when you get a script or a book to script, the first phase of film production is called development. And sometimes the script will go through... I don't know, 10, 15, 20 rewrites, sometimes development. They call it development hell. Things can be in development for a decade sometimes. Catch me if you can. I think it took 13 years for that to get out of development. Okay. So um, so things are go through development. And, and, and part of the development process is getting the script to where it's marketable, but also getting the right attachments so that it has legs to go. Now, I told you what's going on in Hollywood right now is this kind of fear, another kind of fear, <laughs> you know, just because of the economy and, and everybody wants to do sure bets. So, American film market deals with what's called independent films as opposed to studio films. Do you guys know the difference between that? Sort of? Okay. There are, there are, I think, what is it, seven studios here? Let's look down on the, uh, let me see where that is. I think I put that on here. You should be familiar with the page, um, page, page, page majors. Okay, page, page uh, four at the top. It says the majors. Okay, so the major Hollywood movie producer distributor studios: MGM, United Artists. Are these there? MGM, 20th Century Fox, Sony Pictures, Warner Brothers, Paramount Pictures, Universal, and Disney. Most of those studios. That's it. Those are our studios. Those are our majors. And most of those studios were founded by those Jewish guys that I told you about. <laughs> They've changed form and shape a little bit over the years. And they're still run by, by you know, big moguls. Okay. So those are the majors, and those are studio pictures. When a studio makes a picture, <clears throat> it's a big deal because they have a deal with theater owners all over the world, <clears throat> especially in America, 
that have an agreement, we're going to show Paramount's next movie. We're going to show, uh, you know, whatever whatever the studio is. So they have deals. They're going to get their trailers in to those movie theaters. That's what you see when you go to the movie. They're going to get their movies distributed to all these things. And so to get a studio picture, it's like, wow, it's, you know, well, you don't know it's going to get distribution. Because what happens in the studios are a number of different things. <laughs> First of all, remember we talked about power, ego, fear, image, all of that. So executives turn over a lot. So let's say I'm running... You know, um, Nikki Lala Studios, and it's a big major, and I'm big president, and I like your project, your project, and your project. And I spend $2 million, I take your script, and $3 million on your book, and you're a star, I just want you to do a project. And so you're, now I've paid you lots of money, and I own your property, and you I own as a person. Okay, I own these things, and I'm going to make them as big blockbusters. And I leave. I get fired or I go to another studio. And Derek comes and takes over my job. Guess what happens to all your stuff? I'm fired. See you. Bye-bye. We should know that AFM, really, the studios aren't really here. No, I know, but I want to give them perspective. They're going to be in commerce. I mean, they need to know what the, what it's not. So AFM, so what's happened is Emerge, if you drop down there, you see independent filmmaking at the bottom of that page. It says, um, in the 1940s, you know, we can read this on your own about how it, how it emerged, but independent filmmaking are films that are made outside of the studio system, okay? So people that just say, I'm going to get investors or I'm going to get a production company that has a track record that's done some good movies and I'm going to make a film independently. Now, they're usually lower budget because, not always, though, lately higher budget movies are getting independent, too. Last Academy Award, I think four out of the five nominees were independent films. So there's a huge shift, and there's a kickback, because what's happening is the studios now are playing it safe. So, so I, I, was at a, I was at an investor thing last week, and it was so profound to me hearing what they said, because they had artists in one room, which is where they sent me, and investors in another room, and they were teaching us how to talk to each other. This is really funny, too. And they said, here's the problem. With artists, what you're looking for, the things that you value, are exactly the opposite of what the investors want. You value originality, uniqueness, excellence. You're looking for something to put your thumbprint on. It's going to be a really unique product. The investors, they're looking for an assembly line mentality. Oh, well, if it worked five times, let's do it a six. Don't change a thing. Let's do Batman 11, 12, 13, 14. <laughs> when you say unique, original, that freaks them out. Okay, so that's kind of a studio mentality. So they now do what's called temple pictures, which is really big. Temple pictures, meaning big tent, they're going to cover all quadrants. They're going to cover big market. There's things like Batman. What are, what are the quadrants? Oh, Quadrants. Quadrants. 25 above, 25 and below. Men and women. That's it. Men below 25, women below 25. Men above 25, women above 25. Totally different things they look for when they go to films. Right. So when you're making a movie, you're going to find people here saying, they're going to, who's your target? They're going to say, oh, this is for, this is for women under 25. Or, or they'll say it's a four-quadrant film. Usually those are tentpole pictures, and those are costing $100 million, $150 million to make them. The studios usually are doing those. But because of that, they're not doing the original things. They're not doing the unique things, and that's what this market is for. This is where all the filmmakers who have made their movies and all those production companies who have made their movies are coming, and they're selling their wares. And a lot of times they're trying to sell them to the studios because studios have a distribution arm also, so even though they might not have made it, when we talk about acquisition, they might acquire it and distribute it for you. Although that's kind of not happened that much. Okay, hurry up. 
All right, sorry, let me go through this. Okay, so development, production, and, and distribution. So development is the process of getting it developed where you're ready to go into production. So that's getting the script in place, and it may be getting some name actors attached because there's something called the owner's list, which is basically a list that a guy named Jim Ulmer created, and it rates everybody as to how much, how, how much they're worth, how much money they can bring internationally. So I might say, well, Gary, he's a $20 million actor, but you're only a $2 million actor. You're a 20 and you're only a 5. And everybody has a number on the Ulmer's list. And so the higher number actor that's attached, is this true? No, it's, it's true, but the, the Ulmer is just like a guy from just, Hollywood right. Reporter who just wrote this up yeah. and people all of a sudden respect it. That's yeah. oh, slapping oh. just how crazy this industry is. Yeah, and then there's the blacklist. There's a black, there's the black, black book, black, what is that, what were the 20 top scripts that all the people get together and put it on the list? Yeah. And then there's the, there's the movie Meet or Nine, yeah. which tells you where you are in the star meet. So everybody's just trying to connect to make sure they just want to cover themselves. When I say about fear, they just want to make sure they don't care if it's a good product, but you know what? Oh, if Jim Carrey's in it, great. Oh, we'll, we'll buy that movie because he's got a box office appeal. And so you see more and more, they'll put out what is significant about the movie. What's the name? What's the branding? What's the thing? So that's development. It's putting together a package so that it's ready to go into production. And some of that is attaching talent, attaching writers, getting the script into place where it's good, getting funding in place so that you're ready to go. So that's the development process. Okay. Okay. Next phase of production. Is this overwhelming? information okay next process is called production and that is when you are ready now to start the movie you've got the money in place hopefully <laughs> sometimes people start production with no money in place and it's a fiasco you've got you've got your all your things in place your scripts ready to go it, production has three phases it production is you're starting to make the movie your pre-production that's the period before the principal photography begins, when the final changes are made to the script, you're hiring the crew, you're getting locations where you're going to shoot it, you're, um, all your preliminary work is finished, so you're ready to turn the camera. It's called pre-production, and you're basically hiring everybody, doing the contracts, you're getting everything in place, okay? And um, you'll find, I'm telling you these because very often when you're talking to them, say, oh, we're in pre-production on a film. We're in production. We're in post-production. We're in development. Where they're going to tell you where they are in the phase of the film. Most of the people here, well, I'll tell you about what most people here are doing in a minute, but I just want you to be aware of this so you're not clueless. Okay, so production is actually once, once the camera starts rolling, that is production. Once the movie camera's rolling, you're in production. Usually it's slated. They try to do it as few days as possible from the start to the finish to save money. It's a lot of money to shoot, and so, you know, 28 days, 30 days, sometimes they'll try to squish it into 24 days. How many days did it take you to make your movie, Derek? Fifteen. Fifteen. I was He's a low super, budget super, Very duper low budget. budget, super, duper low budget film. Usually four to six weeks. Yeah, so so they try to, and every day is planned. So once you start, like a marathon. Once you're in production, it's like every day is all planned out for the next six weeks, so it's like, Go. You have no life. <laughs> and if the pre-production isn't done right and everything isn't set up and you lose a day, it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars. Million. Million dollars a day. Yeah. So, okay, so that's the production phase. So when somebody's in production, they're not going to be at the AFM. <laughs> okay. Post-production. Although you might have a representative of a film that's in production trying to sell it, and we're already in production on it. And uh, post-production is once all the principal photography is done. Hi. Once all, how you doing, Joe? Good to see you. Once all the principal photography is done, the film starts going through editing, sound dubbing, optical effects, and that's post-production, and that's usually about the same amount of time, and, and that means the movie's pretty much in the can, and now you have all these people giving their opinions about it, all of that. 
Okay, so those are the three phases of production. And then the last phase, and this is what's going on here, is distribution. Once the movie is made, it needs to get distribution. So it needs to get out to the world to see it. So all of the people involved in distribution are a, a whole host of people. So you have sales agents, foreign sales agents, who basically have relationships with theaters all over the world or networks. And they are here, you're going to meet a lot of those people here, they're here looking for product that fits their market of who they know that they can buy and everybody's negotiating. They're like bidding on things for hot films. That's what's going on in all those rooms. You have um, distributors. You have theater owners that, that um, uh, you know, basically own uh, exhibitors. I'm sorry, you're going to talk about exhibitors, right? A little bit. A little bit, okay. Okay, so the exhibitors, you know, I, I went over to Bill, Bill Ewing who did a movie called The End of the Spear. And he's getting ready to do another film and I said to him, why didn't that movie get out there? I said, can't you just call, why don't you just call Phil Anschutz? Because he owns a whole chain of movie theaters. Well, through all the media, and just get him to put your next movie there. And this is what he said. Well, yeah, just because somebody owns a whole chain of movie theaters doesn't mean they could put our movie in it. Because if they put our movie in it, even if they say, oh, great, let's get the Christian-themed film or the family friends on the theater, they put our movie in it, and they can say, well, we're, this is what we're going to run for the next two weeks. Well, then... Paramount, if they want to get their movie in there and they don't and they don't want that other movie in there, they're going to say, great, do whatever you want. We're not going to give you the next Star Wars. We're not going to give you the next Batman. And so they get tanked. And so really, the studios control so much, even when you say, well, let's get somebody to own all the theaters. So until the market, there's enough market in terms of the kind of movies you want to see that you can actually sustain, which hasn't happened yet. That help make sense a little bit? Okay, so those are exhibitors. Those no, are let, let me clarify one thing about exhibitors. Yeah. Exhibitors here at AFM are not the same as exhibitors she's talking about. Exhibitors are basically oh, yeah. local theaters. Exhibitors here at AFM are the people who have the exhibits in the buildings. Right, They're right. They're often right. distributors or buyers. So when you see the word exhibitors here, it means something entirely different than in your local movie theater. So if you say, what are you, I'm an exhibitor, that means they've got a booth here. The right, thing. right, sorry. So just, just, <laughs> yes. just clarify, the same word, yeah. but two different meanings. Yeah, yeah, same word, different meanings. And so the people here are buyers and sellers. And so the first half of AFM is going to be people who are selling products and people who are buying products, and everybody's going to have set up meetings. Now, once it slows down a bit, the second half, there may be some people that are trying, which, like me, I'm trying to get funds to develop some things. So I have some projects I own. I'm trying to get people to fund that. But there's no way I'm going to talk to anybody the first four or five days because they, they don't want to talk to me about giving me money or trying to develop a project. People are busy trying to buy and sell. And so it slows down, like after Sunday, a little bit, and then people have a little more time, and it'll shift quite a bit. So, okay, I'm going to go over a few um, vocabulary words, and I'm going to turn it over to Derek, okay? So... Um, you can take these with you because I'm not going to cover them all. Um, but any questions about the production process? Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about, okay, genres of movies. People are going to talk about their genre of movies. I didn't put descriptions of the basics. You know what a drama, comedy, horror, adventure, family, and then there's hybrids. It's a comedy. It's a romantic comedy. It's an, a family adventure. It's a horror drama. It's a, <laughs> you know, hybrids of that. The ones I described are ones like black comedy. Those are Comedies that are darker, obsessed with death, darkness, or kind of dark comedy. High concept. When people talk about a high concept film, that's a film that has um, uh, certain things that... How would you describe a high concept film? This isn't a good direction. It's a film that you could say in one sentence, you say, I want to see that film. Yeah. 
Star Wars, or like uh, Star, uh, you know, it's like uh, War Games. Guy taps into a NORAD computer by mistake, thinks it's a uh, it's a game company computer, and starts World War Three. Boom! You say, right. "Wow, that could be interesting." Yeah, you it's know? usually based on a kind of you get, you get the you get the idea of the film immediately just from hearing the picture. Right. Line. This description of it is not a big name stars fast action. It's not a good description of this. So take that out. It really has to more with the concept of the script. It's a high concept that you'll that'll sell it. Okay. A tentpole we talked about. Those are the movies that are going to be the big blockbuster movies. Um, usually, they're franchises. The next page, mm-hmm. film noir. Those come from, you know, the 40s, sort of the 40s and 50s, these dark, gloomy, kind of underworld, gothic worlds, okay? Um, Some terminology, some positions, I'm not going to go through the the list here, but um, a director is basically the most important person on the set, in my opinion, I'm a director. (laughs) (laughs) In other people's opinion, maybe not so much, but they basically are, they basically are the one that is the creative force behind it, bringing together the elements. A producer is one of those terms in Hollywood. You might meet a lot of producers here. It's important to know because a producer, I put down um, some of the producers here, like associate producer, executive producer. If you turn the page, you say executive producer. In a studio, that's called the executive in charge of production. In an independent film, it's an executive producer. They usually put up the money or find the project. They initiate it. They're usually outside of the process. They're just funding it. The executive producer usually means they did nothing to get the money or find the product and whatever. But then, uh, and they handle a lot of the business and legal issues. But now there are all different kinds of producers. There's associate producer, co-producer, line producer, producer, producer. Generally, a producer Mm -hmm. refers to somebody who's going to pull the elements together and produce it. They're the bottom line of making it happen. But a producer can mean that you are putting up the money. It could mean you're a line producer, which a line producer is sort of like the construction person that's building the house. And I think the best way for me to explain producer is on a production team, you need three types of producers, okay? You need the person who is going to be the creative producer, who's going to pull together all the creative elements, find the script, the talent, who's sort of the driving one behind that, the creative producer. You need a person who's going to be the business person getting the funding, the money, pulling together the attorneys, the accountants, the strategy of all of that, that type of a person. Sometimes that's the executive producer. Sometimes it's just the producer. And you need somebody who's going to actually implement everything. And they are a line producer. And they're called a line producer. They're right on the line. They're not above the line, and they're not below the line. They're on the line. They're the ones that are hiring the crew, that are putting the bones on it. They're highly skilled in terms of knowledge of locations and budgets and talent. Oh, you're, and they're a huge Rolodex. So you're a line producer, right? Are you a line producer? My crew is LM. Oh, okay, location manager. So, so she did location management, which works with line producers. Okay, so, um, um, so I'm just about done here. One more minute, and I'm done. Two more minutes, and I'm done. Okay, so, so well, well, I just wanted to make sure they So when somebody says a producer, it could mean any of those things. They could do business, they could be creative, or they could be somebody's cousin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> usually, that, usually that's associate producer. Yeah, yeah, that's usually an associate producer, or they could be. College buddy is a big one. Huh? College buddy is a big one. Yeah, for, yeah. For <coughs> managers sometimes, if I'm a manager and I have talent, and managers and agents. Mm-hmm. Well, agents can, but managers often will put they'll they put their names on. They want a producer credit. Mm-hmm. So anything that you bring, anything substantial to the table, like, well, I got you this location. I'll get it for you if you give me a producer credit. So. It can mean you're doing the, everything on the movie, you're working your butt off, and you're putting up all the money, or it could mean nothing, that you have some card that hell. It could mean that somebody's giving you a favor. So, 
So you have to feel it out. You have to kind of feel it out. Yeah. And there's a lot of bogus producers. Everybody puts up a shit. Well, I'm a producer. I'm a producer. You know? Yeah. What do you produce? <laughs> okay. So that's the one term in Hollywood that's very nebulous. Um, the director is pretty clear. Um, they, they, and write down the names of the guilds, DGA, so Director's Guild, WGA, Writer's Guild. I told you above the line, below the line. Um, I'm looking to see if there's anything else uh, important. Okay, distributor we talked about. Distributor is the organization or individual that's going to distribute. Film buyer, skip down on the next page, is the person that arranges the purchase of films. Those are the buyers here. Those are the acquisition people. And they're here, um, they purchase films from the distributor, whatever. They purchase films. They buy films. <laughs> okay. Um, let me see if there's anything else that's important on here. Um, I'm giving this. You can take these with you. P&A stands for Prints and Advertising. That's talked about a lot here. There's a P&A budget. Typically, it's built into a marketing budget, and it usually costs more than making the actual movie itself. So $25 million, $30 million can cost. If you don't have a good P&A budget, there are amazing movies that are made. And you can see, they, and they don't have a P&A budget, and they don't get seen mm -hmm. because they don't get distributed, and they don't put the money in for that, and they don't have the components that, like, oh, Jim Carrey's in it, let's buy it. They're great films, but you never get to see them because they don't have a P&A budget. Usually, the smartest people are setting up their distribution and their all of that stuff at the same time they're doing their development. So what you'll find here is people have packages where they're like, I've got a script. I've got an actor attached, I've got a little bit of funding, and they're here looking to set up, to sell a foreign territory. Okay, I'm going to sell 20% of this movie to Germany and France, and I'm going to use that money to make my movie, and then I'm going to have locked in distribution. And you don't want to sell all your territories, because if you sell all your territories, then you know you're only going to make $2 million back on your film, and you can't, there's no room to make money. So you want to hold on to some of the territories. So that's what people are doing here this week. They're selling territories sometimes before the movie's made, so they can get that money to make the movie. And usually they only get to do that if they have the right development components in it. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge education, I know, and um, I think that's an option is the only other word. People option a script. It basically it means that, like, I have option material. So I own the rights to certain books and scripts that are I now own for a period of time where I have a period of time to get this set up and made or funded and then that option expires. But during that time, the writer or the author of that script can't do that, sell that to anybody else. I own it exclusively. So you pay an amount of money for an option. Okay? Well, quick so, question. Yes. Uh, if somebody says a producer, is it, is, it, is it a normal thing to ask what type, or do you don't do that? Um, so what are you doing yeah, on the project? Yeah, what are you doing? What do you do on the project, yeah, or what are you working okay, on? That's yeah. 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 What do you do on the project? That's how you ask it. Now, are you a phony? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're asking. Yeah. So, so, so you've been raising and money, you, or what, what's what? Where, yeah, where, where, where are you? Where are you? Where are you in development on the project? Yeah, just you know that, that, that what they tell you, you pretty much figure You'll be able to figure it out. You kind of ask around roundabout questions to get answers. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think you'd go to the front door. And you don't ever want to say, "Oh, what have you done, or what have I seen you in?" I mean, that's like a really Insulting thing, especially if you mean anybody's famous. Oh, oh, you're an actor. What have you been? Oh, you're a director. What have you directed? Like, and don't really ask for autographs. Yeah, yeah, that's very uncool to do that. Because you know what? We all feel like everybody feels even even everybody feels you're only as good as your last project, and everybody feels inadequate. Like, and it's just you know it's humiliating question to ask because the way this business works, people are on top and they're on bottom. They're working like a dog, or they're unemployed for two years. And so no matter what you say, 
you know, it, 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 it's just an awkward question. So, And if they're really famous, you should know who they are, and then it's an insult. I'll take this, and then, and then I'll let Derek and we'll hold. We have a 15-minute Q&A after, but ask me now, and then if it's... The Omer list that you mentioned, uh-huh. it reminded me of the value of a person in the temple and how it in the Old Testament. And I, I just began listening to everything that you're talking about. Have you ever thought of this whole thing being set up by Jewish people? It's basically set up like the temple and the whole structure of the Jewish culture around the temple. No, I, no, I, I, I mean, well, yeah. Well, you know, modern Judaism is not really the same as biblical Judaism today. There's no priesthood, there's no sacrifice, there's no concept of sin. So a lot of times Christians read the Bible and they think that represents modern Judaism, and it's it's a different Judaism than than biblical Judaism. So that really is so disconnected from what modern Judaism is. I think that would be a stretch. But it's more like a Hindu caste system. Than yeah, more like a Hindu caste system. So there say. was no... I know the high priest. And yeah, so yeah. I get my way into certain places by knowing the high priest. I, yeah. I can name drop. Well, or who I have a bloodline to. And he's my cousin. He's my brother. It'd be stretching it. I think what Derek said, I think it's yeah. more like a Hindu caste system, really, is what it is. It, it's, it's very secular. Primarily, what I find my Jewish friends are very are secular Jews. Mm-hmm. I know far more about the word and far yeah. more about, not, not by way of boasting, but just, I just as, a, as a believer who's yeah. in the word, I know. I'm, I'm very versant, and, and it's very interesting the reaction back to this perspective might come up in yeah. conversation, not even witnessing. And you're it's not going to meet a lot of Jewish people here because people are coming internationally here. Mm-hmm. So I'm just telling you that for those of you that are praying so you understand the core and the, of the foundation. And if you want more, like I said, I have tons of resources and information on my website because I deal a lot within Hollywood, and it is, a, to me, a Jewish mission field. So mm-hmm. I'm going to turn it over to Derek okay. about AFM. And I think I've got one minute left. No. I do encourage you to read the list that Nikki gave you. It's a very good list. And I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff to read that I don't have time to go through all of it. No, you've got 20 minutes. Well, no, but, but I encourage you to read it all because I will hit highlights and go on. Uh, basically, I'm a filmmaker. Uh, what I've done, I wrote, directed, produced an independent feature film, which hopefully is coming out next year. I was at the film market last year. This year, we've already kind of locked up a lot of things. Well, past this, I wanted to take one of those. Also, co- also co-produced. This is a short film that we submitted for Oscar consideration in the shorts. Uh, we just, I just did this this summer. So that's... These are just some of the things I've been doing. Um, yeah, we want to give that to Cindy. And, I just got that yeah, but it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, so, so those are the type of things. What you'll see people at the market, they'll have these little screeners, or they'll have Amory boxes with them in. A lot of these get thrown around. A lot of them get thrown away. Uh, sometimes you'll see a press kit looks something like this. People pass along information about the film, information about people in the film, the cast, the crew, things like that. These are press kits. Uh, a oh, lot yeah, one page. Tell me what one page is. Yeah, a lot, well, they, they, they call them cell sheets. This is, I changed the name of my film. It's no longer Fall of Nights. It's called Midnight Reckoning. I'll pass this around. This is what's called a cell sheet. This is what you'll see most of at the film market here. Uh, basically, on the front is kind of uh, information, just kind of what picture of the film, and the back is telling you information selling the film. Uh, my sales agent here at the market has a whole bunch of these. He's passing these out. He's passing out uh, these. And, and, and these are like, people's films is like their babies. So yeah. if you think you're talking to a mom with their baby, if somebody mm-hmm. actually made a movie, you know, they want to talk about it. It's mm-hmm. like their baby. Okay. So, so anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, so that, that, that's a little bit of who I am. And it is, it's like a cast system here. And the thing is, as I said, 
There's the studio and there's independent films. It's IFTA, puts on the American Film Market, like Independent Feature and Television Association. It's, it's, made, oh, it's, made, it's made up of, it's made up of uh, you know, maybe about, I think, 400, 400 various producers, distributors, whatever. They deal films generally in the zero, but to $20 million range. Studios deal with films in the 40 to $200 million range. Okay? Studios are not here. They might have specialty divisions that are here trying to do independent sales, but you will not find the head of Paramount or any of the major studios here. Are they there might, mini-majors here? Mini-majors? Uh, mini-majors might be here. Miramax will definitely be here. The Weinstein Brothers will be here. What do you uh, think a mini-major is? A mini-major is usually a company that not only produces but distributes. Like, for instance, the Weinstein Brothers both, both produce and distribute. There aren't a lot of mini-majors. They've been washed out of the business because of the stock market crash last year. Uh, I think there's Lionsgate, there's um, Mandate, there's a few, there's a few others. This is, these are two, two things you'll see at the market. There's the American film market, this is the film catalog. These are the films that are screening here. I'm going to pass these around. I picked up an extra one. You guys can look at this. I think you can pick up copies of this if you walk into the registration on the fourth floor. Okay. They, have, they, yeah. they have these just sitting there. If you have a badge, you get one automatically. If you don't, just sneak in on the registration. There's a table there with them on. You can take them. Uh, this basically, if you want to pray specifically, this lists all the companies that have exhibitor booths here at the, the market. Lists what floor they're on, where they are, uh, their contact information, and it has a little map of the hotels. The uh, Lowe's and the, and the Amerigo are in here. You can take a look at that. This is the films that are screening. You can see all the films that are screening, when they're screening, and, and the various venues, and a little description of the film itself. What's the, what's the film like? Uh, generally, films screen at least twice because... You don't want an exhibitor not to be able to make the film. Um, let me just talk a little bit just about film. I asked, I asked my sales agent, I said, what would you tell people tomorrow if you were here? And he says, tell them how important the influence of films is. Uh, he, he has sold in, in the markets, at AFM, Cannes, MIPCOM, MIPTV, Berlin, all the other markets, and I'm, I'm glad you're all just here, but uh, it's basically that... Uh, Berlin is becoming a huge film market, not only a market and a festival, so is Cannes, a market and a festival, so is AFM, uh, and there's one in the Far East, but there aren't many. There's maybe five or six major markets. What's the difference between a market and a festival? Oh, I'll, I'll mention that. There are only like five or six major film markets in the world. Okay, this is maybe two or three. Cannes number one. Berlin is starting to buy for number two right now. Uh, festival is where they show films and the public comes and they enjoy films and they have a good time. A market is where they sell films. A lot of times they'll have a festival and a market together. For instance, this supposedly has a festival with it. It's called the American, uh, 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 American Film Institute, AFI Festival. But it really doesn't work because it's in Hollywood. And people here aren't going to travel to Hollywood to see films. So even though it's occurring at the same time, whereas it can... The festival and the market are right next to each other. They're right together in Berlin. They're right next to each other. Uh, the Far East Festival, it's, it's market is a market. Uh, the, uh, uh, what is it, My, Mifed, uh, the one, one in Italy, um, Venice. Uh, there's, there's other smaller ones in Europe, but the Berlin is the biggest one. Um, anyway, the bottom line is, is that these are just some quotes, just for you to keep in mind. Um, George Lucas wrote in, a, in uh, one of the film magazines a couple of years ago, believe it, filmmakers know the influence they have. They are not ignorant to that. I have a friend who worked with Francis Ford Coppola, and my friend asked him as a writer, he says, what, what, you know, I mean, kind of, kind of, everybody knows why you get into films, but he asked specifically, why did you get into films? And Coppola just looked at him and said, are you kidding? Are 
you kidding? People walk in a dark room and they give you their minds for two hours? Why did I get into film? He, they want to communicate something. George Lucas says, for better or for worse, this is back in 83, this is the episode Star Wars thing, better or for worse, the influence of the church, which used to be more powerful, has been observed by films. Films and television tell us the way to conduct our lives, what is right and wrong. When Burt Reynolds is drunk on beer and Hooper and racing cops in his rocket car, that reinforces the recklessness in kids who've been drawn to the movie in the first place are probably sitting in the theater drinking beer. Star Wars came out of my desire to make a modern fairy tale. In college, I became fascinated with how culture is transmitted through fairy tales and myths. These guys know why they're making films. They're not doing it just, you know, because it's cool and to make money. They're doing it because they want to say something. There's a lot easier ways to make money than films. And you hear about all these big budgets. Believe me, I, I remember when Kenny Rogers was at the peak of his things. You know, the biggest mansion in Beverly Hills called the Mance. And, uh, you know, and a friend of mine knew him pretty well and talked to him. And he was talking about how he just felt like a nobody when he was next to the owner of the American Can Company because this guy was worth $400 million and Kenny wasn't worth near that much. You know, film make, people in film don't see themselves as wealthy. You may see themselves as wealthy. They don't. They even see themselves, even the rich guys see themselves as blue-collar, working-class stiffs. The guys who run TV shows, the ones who runs films. I mean... I don't agree with that. <laughs> I, I think, you know, they, they but they don't see themselves as the same as industrial giants a lot of times. Maybe well, they see them as artists more. Artists, yeah. They, they see, but they see them, they, uh, and, and I think the, the issue is, is that, um, but, uh, that um, this is from uh, uh, McKee, who, who's written books about filmmaking. So the world consumes films, novels, theater, and television in such quantities with such ravenous hunger that the story arts have become humanity's prime source of inspiration as it seeks chaos and order and insight in our lives. Our appetite for stories is a reflection of the profound human need to grasp the patterns of living, not merely as an intellectual exercise, but the very emotional experience. Uh, the playwright Jean Anawil uh, said, fiction gives life its form. And uh, Kenneth Burke tells us that stories are equipment for living. Unbelieving filmmakers know why they're making films. They are trying to communicate values. Uh, Plato, back in 338 B.C., urged the city fathers of Athens to exile all poets and storytellers. They are a threat to society, he argued. Writers deal with ideas, but not in open, rational manners of philosophers. Instead, they conceal their ideas inside the seductive emotions of art. Yet felt ideas, as Plato pointed out, are ideas nonetheless, ever effective. And then there's basically, he said, uh, Plato insisted that storytellers are dangerous people. He was right. And, uh, you know, they, they're very aware. Uh, who is it? I forget who it was. Even one of the people back in, in that period wasn't Plato, but somebody says, give me your story parallels and poets and I will control the next generation. You know, and that's what we're doing here. I mean, now, a lot of the people who come to AFM, um, I pass around those sheets, I pass around that. Um, basically, um, let me pass these around. This is just an overview of AFM, I'll talk about that first. Um, and this is also, uh, these are sheets. This is basically a thing that's on the web on the AFM site. People who come to AFM to sell films, this is a suggestion about how they sell films. to give you an idea of what they're looking to do. Uh, another thing at AFM I want to mention is the possibility of AFM seminars. Um, seminars, you do not have to have a badge to go to a seminar. If you've never done this before, you, you, now, it costs 40 or $50 but you can walk into the registration, 
get a, a uh, seminar pass, and it's a very good experience because they have the cinematographers have. Uh, let me take one of them. The cinematographers have some of the best cinematographers in the country are sitting on that panel, and you can walk up and talk to them afterwards. Mm. It costs you forty dollars to get in the seminar, and these guys, and you'll get a feel for how this business works that I can't give you in a few minutes. You'll get a feel for how they look at it, how, what their perspective is, what they're looking for. And I go to all of them because I get an awful lot out of them myself. And there's different ones that go on. And, and uh, I give you a list here. Uh, they're 40 or $50. They have one on Saturday called Pitch Me. That might be sold out. But you'll hear people making pitches. You'll get to see what they look for and what the reaction of the people who are evaluating the pitches are. It's a great experience for you. If you want to get an immersion, not that you're going to become part of the industry or some of you are, but... Um, but it's a great way to get an understanding of the mindset because it's a different mindset. I work in real estate as well. It's a totally different <laughs> mindset than most people in other areas of business. It and the other thing is also when you go to these seminars, you you wind up people there afterwards. Usually people are available to talk. There's an access oh, yeah. that you have where you're not going to have access to people. I mean, usually people on the panels, you know, even whether it's name directors, name cinematographers, whatever, that are really the the shapers of their field. And so you're having access, you know, to talk to people in a, in a very different kind of a setting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's some great stuff. And well as you'll be sitting next to people who are filmmakers, who are people from around the world that you would not normally get to meet. You can strike up conversations. How did you get here? So very easy if you're sitting, you get early to the, to the panel, the things, sit next to people, start talking to them, talk to them afterwards. You know, and the other thing, too, is I don't know if you have a title for what you do, but if somehow it has, like, film in it. You know, um, say like for instance, you might say, you know, uh, you know, we're here with the um, the Hollywood Film Initiative. They have no idea what that means, you know, something like that. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll ask a little bit. Says, well, we we provide support to filmmakers. You don't have to say, hey, we're here to pray, but we provide support to filmmakers, and we we're, we're kind of working in conjunction with Promenade Pictures here. You know, and it's, oh, oh, okay, this sounds good to me. Yeah. And, you know, eventually they'll come to Because they're going to want to talk more about themselves and hear what you do. So all, you, all, you, all, they, all they have to say is, we're here with a holy roller Jesus Jeezy crowd to convert you guys. <laughs> Run away. So, you know, just kind of, as long as it sounds like it's something official at AFM, they don't know. Because, believe me, the names of their organizations are all kind of screwy, too. I mean, they come up with names that sound well, cool. Well, it's the American Film Market Prayer Initiative, but they do say the American Film Market Support Initiative. Yeah, so, something. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't use Prayer Initiative. I would use something else, like something, something like. Uh, the comfort American yeah. Film Market Initiative. Yes, there you go. That's it. It's it, 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 that's a fine thing right there. What do you do? We support filmmakers. We're here we're, we're working we're working in association with Promenade Pictures in. Uh, you yeah, know, and then they'll ask how providing support support to filmmakers. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and basically, and frankly, they'll be glad to talk and ask them what they're working. What, what what are you working on right now? You know what's going on, and uh, they'll be glad to tell you what's the, what's your progress. And you know, <laughs> and you can pray for them. Do you ever want you to develop a relationship? What are you working on? Really, you know, one of the ways we support is. We're here actually praying for people in their projects. I'm wondering, can I pray for you? Yeah, we, we, we provide logistic support. We also provide uh, spiritual support. Mm-hmm. Uh, try, try to use the word spiritual. That's kind of a good thing. And a lot of times, sometimes, what, you know, uh, I know some people are a little cautious to this, but we a lot of times what we do is we pray, pray for people. We ask, you know, what are you working on? We can pray for you. We can help you or just anything, you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that might open up a lot of doors as long as you, you know, just keep a low profile and just you're there, kind of listening to them and talking to them. Uh, who, ex- who attends? Uh, basically, there's exhibitors and distributors. Exhibitors are the ones that have the booths up on the floors. Um, 
The fourth floor is pretty much the lobby. The lobbies of both the Lumerigo and the Lowe's are pretty much the center of the action. You can walk in there. You don't have to have a badge. Uh, and there's filmmakers there. They come down there. They congregate there. There's bars there. There's the pool outside. You can have lunch in the pool, sit next to somebody and talk to them. Uh, you can do anything you want. And, and basically, um, the thing is, a lot of times, i got to tell you, it's just like if somebody came to your place of work, you know, and they, they want to sell you something. I mean, these people are really busy especially Thursday and Friday. The market runs from Wednesday to Wednesday. The truth is the market is Thursday and Friday. Uh, people are still arriving on Wednesday. People start leaving on Sunday. There's some hangers on, you know, for the end, and there's oftentimes development people talking around, things like that. But the, the, the key players, the most important players, are here for Thursday and Friday, and it is just chaos. They are busy, busy, busy. The people come here, they come here primarily to sell. If you're not a buyer, they don't want to talk to you the first two days. And even as a filmmaker, when I go up on the floors, I have to be very cautious how busy they are, what they're doing, can I come back. A lot of times, they don't want to hear about any projects they're pitching for development unless you have some major star attached on Thursday and Friday. Because they, they're selling. The, the Oriental, the Oriental uh, marketers, frankly, don't even come here to buy, usually. They come here to sell. I even go, it's like, no, no, we get to sell. Sell only, sell only. And, and, so, and, and that's fine. But the thing is, um, you'll find the American filmmakers are pretty much, uh, as I said, the one to twenty million dollar range people. The international filmmakers, since they don't, there's no real quote unquote big studios internationally. So a lot of the international people who are players, international sales agents, are here. There's a terminology Nikki didn't get into. Uh, there's uh, sales agents, producers agents, there's distributors, there's exhibitors. I mean, basically, a sales agent is a person who is selling the film for. Uh, a producer, okay? A distributor... Like you have a sales agent. Yes, yes. A distributor is a person who's usually acquired the film and is now selling it to other international buyers. Okay, so there's a slight difference. There's a crossover in the terminology. Is that which confusing? Is a, no. It, 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 it's kind of confusing. It's better just to ask kind of, what, what do you... Are you, uh, are, are you just, uh, you know, do you have a booth here? If they have a booth... They are probably a distributor. They're looking to sell to international. The, 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 the king of the hill at the film market are the buyers. You will very rarely see them. The way you tell people is by the color of their badges. Uh, usually, there's three types of badges. There's the industry badge, which is what I have, which is a person who's not an exhibitor or distributor. There's the distributor distributor, which is usually a green badge. That means they have something on one of the floors. You'll see Cindy will have that. And then, you know, I forget what the other color is, like purple or something. And they'll say, it'll say buyer or say something like that. And uh, those are the people, occasionally you'll see them sitting around the lobby. You, they have a separate room for them so they don't get bothered. But occasionally, you know, on the, on the fifth floor they do. They have a separate room they can go and just hang out so no one bothers them. But occasionally you'll see them in the lobby. Occasionally you see them sitting around. Those are very important people because those people have the money. And they're here to buy and they, they don't want to talk. They will go to see different screenings. Um, the French, there's the industry members like myself who are trying to pitch projects or sell, sell my film or whatever or get people to look at it. And I'm trying to give out screeners and give out my sell sheets. My agent's trying to give out my sell sheet. Um, We're looking at this sheet. Just yes, so yeah, this, I'm working through this. And then basically um, the French. The French are people who uh, are, are the, the wannabe filmmakers, I'm, I'm not bad, but don't have badges. But they know if they come and hang out in the Lowe's or the Marigo, they're going to meet people. And so uh, they will come down there and they'll try. I have a friend of mine who's a graphic artist. He came down all day last year, just hung out in the lobby and met a lot of people, chatted them up and says, you know, I, I you know, do, do graphic artwork. And he picked up a bunch of cards. You know, as long as you're not taking people away from doing something else. You know, 
Watch and talk about dress. Watch how people dress. You will be able to tell who's the filmmaker, who's the sales agent, who's the distributor, who's the buyer by the way they dress. I mean, it's very, it's very interesting. You'll see the people who are the producers, and, and you'll, you'll be able to tell. Usually the button-down people are the, are the all-business people. The guys who are wearing jeans are the filmmakers. The guys, I mean, it's just, you'll be almost be able to tell from that. Then you'll have the guys who look like kind of metrosexuals, very cosmopolitan type of guys. Those are the sales agents. And they're there, you know, they're there putting together deals. They're, they're wheeling and dealing, and they're dressed. They look very sloppy. Like Jeremy Pivot on Entourage. Very, very cool. <laughs> very cool people, and they're in the lobby of the, of the hotels all the time. Um, a lot of people are busy most of the day. You might be able to chat up if you just sit in the lobby and hang around a little marigold. A lot of people don't hang around the lobby a little marigold. That's where you can go and meet a lot of people because everybody knows about the Lowe's. Or the Fairmont. Now, there's not as many people that hang around the lobby of the Fairmont because there's just four screening rooms there. But there are occasionally some people to come in and sit down there. And that's not that busy. Uh, another, another dirty little secret is there's the screening rooms. Okay? The screening rooms at the, at the Lowe's, there's a few at the Lowe's that just have, like, big screen TVs. So no one wants to screen on those, but there's a few of those. So would it be good, like, you're sitting in a lobby and somebody's got a badge on, like, hey, are you here for the film? Are you here for the AFM? Yeah, well, what are you working on? What are you, or what are you doing? What are you working on here? What are you selling? Are you a seller or a buyer? I, was, I, was, I wouldn't do that. I would no? say, what, have you seen any good films? Have you seen anything that looks good? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, I, don't, good. I mean, it's, it's, don't, don't ask them. It's like, uh, you know. Because they'll be glad to talk about what they've seen. You start with the common point. Have you seen? Good, said, have, have your little book along with you, the little red books. I've been looking around at films. Have you seen anything that looks good? You know, and uh, they'll talk it up. They'll chat you up. They'll probably tell you if they've got a film here. You know, let them talk. Uh, the other thing can is, you, you can, can I something? Say one thing about films. I find talking about films is such a great way to share the Lord with people because they all have messages and themes. And so, even if you look at the summary, like they, they all have a message. And once you start talking about a film, especially if you go see any of them, then you can say, hey, did you see this? Oh, what do you think of it? Well, you know what? It was really, it was really dark and hopeless. And I didn't really support it because I think there's a lot more hope in the world or whatever. You know, I mean, you can have a common point. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I think the other thing is, is that you have to get have a badge to get to see the screenings. Uh, they used to have some free screenings. They don't oh. have them anymore. But... The dirty little secret is that every exhibitor has 25 free passes to give away for people who don't have badges. Okay? Uh, the people who are the buyers, and there are not many who go to the screenings. Maybe in any one screening, there will be two or three buyers. A real popular screening might have eight or ten buyers. Okay? There's a couple hundred seats in some of the theaters on, on, on the thing. There's a couple hundred, even, even at the, at the Lamerigo, the, the screening rooms there have about 50. 30 or 40 seats. The Fairmount has about 20 there or 30 seats. There are 900 seats. screenings going on here. Yeah, this right. Week okay. Of movies. And, and, and the point, the point <laughs> is, you know, if you chat somebody up, do you have a screening here going on this weekend? They've got 25 free tickets. And the, the, the truth is, I've been to those screenings with the buyers. They have ice running in their veins. They, you can have the funniest film on, and then they won't even crack a smile. You can have the saddest film on, they won't crack a frown. Because they don't want to give away if they like the film or they don't. And they see so many films. They, you can know the buyers. They come in. They're there for 10 minutes, and they leave. Wow. They don't even watch the whole film. But the people who are the exhibitors want people who are normal people in those rooms to have some reaction, you know? So, so, that's, so, so if, you, if you say, man, you know, I'm looking. I love that type of film. I just love those type of films. You know, I, do you have an extra, any extra passes? You know, they'll probably give one to you. I mean, I've, I've got, we've got, going to screening here at 1 o'clock. I don't know how many extra passes. Dan probably has a few extra passes here at the Fairmont Hotel. Uh, 1 o'clock, screening room 3. 
Dan Shad is my rep. He's a Christian Christian guy from Montreal. He'll probably, if he has extra passes, he'll be love, he'd love to fill the screening room. It looks good for him. You have to leave a few seats open for the buyers if they show. But the point is, there's 25 free ones. Now, you don't, so you don't have a badge, but I guarantee if you run into people, you might find some, some, some people there. Just say, uh, I don't have a badge today. I, I just, you know, got, I've got, you know, because some of you are going to get to go up on the floors on other days, but I'd love to see that film. Do you have any extra passes? You know what? If it's the producer, and the producer is usually standing there at the gate to see who's coming in because they want to see if there's any buyers coming in, where they're from, what, what organization they're from, you know. Now, they have to scan the badge, so AFM tells them, but still, you want to be there if you're any, any smart type of person. And so the point is, is that you can ask for, for extra passes, and they'll, they'll probably give them to you. Because they'd like, to, but give them a hint that, and the, other, the rule of thumb is, if you do that, don't talk anything bad about the film before or after the film. You know, because they want positive reaction. Give them, give them things like, I love this type of film, or something like that. So they know that you're, gonna, you're, you're a warm person, because they want to fill the room with warm bodies. Okay, uh, that's one way to get a free pass. Uh, the lows, they have a couple plasma screening rooms. Get the lows, yes. When you say 25 passes, is that for a day or for the whole festival? For, for every single screening, they have 25 extra passes. But remember, the buyers already have a badge. They don't need a they don't need a ticket. Yeah. Okay. The industry people like me don't need a ticket. Okay. Anybody else doesn't need a ticket. So so why do they have those? To invite friends. To invite the cast to invite local people. And you know what? They don't have time to get those people here. And no one wants to drive down to Santa Monica in the middle of the day because they're working. So you have somebody who's... In, they used to have free passes that gave away and the system just got too complicated. They don't do it anymore. But there's passes there. And you can get you can get them. You can watch. You can talk to people before and afterwards. You know, um, the Prince of the Looky Loose, I told about that. The Lowe's. Floor number four is the lobby. Anybody can go in there. And anybody can go to the pool. You can have lunch there. You can hang out at the bar. The best places is the Lamerigo. They have uh, the lobby. They have a, a coffee shop there. Some places you can sit there. They have a bar outside, a restaurant you can sit outside. Anybody can go there. Anybody can order a meal. You can sit there. I encourage you to have lunch there. There's a lot of restaurants right around there that you can go in, and almost everybody at those restaurants is from the film market. Almost everybody. Uh, and uh, you can strike up conversations with those people. The reason I say the lows, the other thing, because you're sitting right next to people, you, there's no separation. Um, the other thing is is that um, what else do I want to say? Three minutes, Jeff. Um, the while you're thinking, rather than questions at the end, what I'd love to see you guys do is engage back and forth in a conversation. We could watch yeah. what it should sound like, okay. and then you can maybe give some example of what it should sound like. Right? Yeah, just. What it should. I, I just say that uh, oh, the best time to reach these people Sorry. is basically. They work like dogs all day. So when the evening comes, it's time to network, to go to parties, to go to mixers, to go to the bar. A lot of people hang out at the bar, uh, at, at the Lowe's, a lot of people on the bar, Lamerico. It's a great, that's the one time they're not rushed. They will talk to you. Just talk, ask them about their project. Believe me, they'll be glad to talk to you about it. So can you just tell them real quick about the different floors, like who's on what floor? Okay, okay. Yeah. but basically it's like, as I said, the fourth floor, the lobbies you can get into... The floors five to eight are the real expensive people have got the money. The Lamerigo hotel rooms and floors two and three are the ones that don't have as much. Although Lamerigo has had some, some more important people the last couple of years. You're not going to be able to get into those unless you get a badge. Okay? And frankly, those people are going to be too busy anyway. Uh, the theaters, uh, there's three Thursday th 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 promenade theaters. Here they are. You can uh, 
hang out and ask about tickets there or at the Fairmonts. It's like generally there'll be somebody producer there. Um, what? Now they're trying to sell now. They decompress at the bars. Uh, I talked about everybody talks big. Just take a grain of salt. I've got a $50 million production slate. You know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. Don't challenge him, but just understand, don't, because, oh, you think I've hit the jackpot. You probably haven't. Everybody here is looking for money. Uh, it's just, you know, here's some prayers that Larry Poland gave to people to pray for people. I just want to wrap up with one or two things. I tell them what this is. This is these are, these are meetings. Yeah, media, they pray, they have, uh, deal with executives in Hollywood, and they put together, um, Redemptive prayers for Hollywood that you can take back with you. you know, even yeah, I, the one thing I want to say is, is this. Is, this is like a mission trip in a lot of ways. Some of you are in the industry, so this is old hat stuff to you. But frankly, when you go on a mission trip to, to Africa or, or Asia or something like that, you make a little bit of difference in their lives over there and encouragement to them. But you know what? The real big difference is what happens in your life. Mm-hmm. And i got to tell you, because it's what you bring back to the church when you've gone on one of those mission trips, and the vision you communicate to the church is more important. And the reason I'm saying that is because i got to tell you folks, I worked with the parachurch ministry for eight years, Campus Crusade for Christ. I went through Dallas Theological Seminary. I understand the church, and I am embarrassed how unactive the church is involved in this. There was a church in Toronto, my sales agent put on a thing for uh, Expelled, did a lot of publicity. We're try- he's trying to get a church network to get Christian films out to churches, to theaters. And the church said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll support it, we'll support it. They didn't support it at all. They had ten people in a church with a couple thousand people show up. We put on this thing every year called 168 Hour Film Festival. There's about 70 films, all based on Bible verses. It would be an ideal thing for church members to go to support, to encourage people to get involved, and to encourage kids to get involved in. We get no support from churches. None. Virtually none. There's like three or four churches in this town that support and give us help. And Joe knows. We, we, we went out knocking on doors, talking to pastors, talking to media people. I talked to us blue in the face. And the thing is, the church has to get a picture. Jesus said in Matthew 9.38, he didn't say, pray for the people in the harvest. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into the harvest. He said, you guys got to pray for the church. Because we have this huge opportunity here. Why aren't there more Christians at AFM? I'll tell you why. Because we're trying to go to non-Christians to get them to make our Christian films, and they're not interested. They don't want to finance our films. They don't want to distribute our films because they don't believe there's any market for our films. But, you know, the point is the people who could make those films, Christian financiers, I'm working with a producer right now who's got three films that are probably going to get made. And the reason they're going to get made is because there's Christian financiers who are willing to take the chance. There's a lot of liberal people out there who are willing to throw money at films because they love, they're liberal with their money, they're liberal with their politics, they're liberal with their value systems. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about liberal politics, I don't want to get into that, but they're liberal with their value systems, let me put it that way. And they're liberal with their money. And they support liberal type of, liberal oriented films in terms of value systems and things like that. We don't. We're conservative with our money, with our things, and we don't support that. And the thing is, what happens? Those films aren't getting made. We need to pray for Christian financiers. We need to pray for the people who've got the money. We need to pray for the church that they're going to step up and, 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 and you know, see that we've got to get the, there's, there's all this salt and light, but it's all in one place. The salt needs to be spread out. Yeah, and, and also education. One, oh. one last thing is the education. Is that Lucas said, he says, I, I don't know if I'm going to find a quote, he says, look, he says, you know, it used to be to be literate. You had to read, write, 
and no arithmetic. He says, in the next 20 years, if you graduate from college and you're not media literate, you're not going to be literate anymore. You need to know how to edit, how to shoot. And kids are doing it. They're taking their, their cell phones out and they're shooting and editing on their cell phones today. They, ha- they know more about shooting and editing than I did probably you know, after the first year of film school. Kids are becoming media literate, and the church has to become media literate. To that end, we're trying to do this with 168. I'm going to a Christian film festival, the film thing for high school kids up in Bakersfield this weekend, training high school kids to, to use films, to make films, because they have to learn how to Because if you don't communicate, kids aren't reading as much anymore. They're watching videos. And, and the thing is, is that we've got to train a generation how to do this, but the church has been inactive. So my thing to you is, is that we're glad that you're here to pray and for, for the, the strongholds and the things that are here at AFM, but pray for the Christians in this industry. Pray for the Christian financiers. Pray for the church to step up. Pray, I, I just, an actress this week, I just heard about a late Christian lady who's been making commercials losing her house this week. I heard about a lady who's this week is a young actress who has a lot of potential. She was offered a great part from a guy who basically is a key producer on an entourage who's making his own independent film. She had to turn it down because it has some sexual stuff in it she can't do. And she needs that type of thing to complete her career. I just had an opportunity to direct a $2.5 million film. I turned it down because it was too, too dis- indulgent about the serial killer involved in the film. I mean, we're Christians. We're, we're putting our whole lives on the line and we don't have opportunities. The real strongholds, I hate to say it, are in the church. Satan is in there, and he's got a grip on the people who could make a difference, the pastors and the financiers and the other people who basically, you know, they've got their own little program. They don't see the value of reaching out to the world. And first of all, training up people. They train up people in music, but not in the theater, in in the filmmaking. And anyway, I've I've said enough. So that's it. Okay, you guys. Okay, you guys give me an example. Give us some talk back and forth. Like what? Like well, well, if, I, if I was Nikki, say Nikki, Nikki was Nikki was there, and I just, I generally don't bother somebody if they're middle of talking to somebody if they're looking over something. I just have to be standing there. Just says says, oh, what project are you working on? Because I'm looking to see you're looking at something. Oh, um, well, actually, I'm I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get a sales agent to for this film I just did. Really? What's the film? Well, it's uh, it's a small independent. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm with Gunnar Star Productions. It's, a, it's an independent production company here in Los Angeles. We had a film in the market last year, and my agents brought oh. me this year. So I'm trying to get it out. We're probably going to be going into distribution next uh, spring. We've got this company in Canada. Oh, well, who's your sales agent? A guy called Dan Shannon works with ID Communications. He's related with Arrow Pictures up at the, he's on the, what is it, 6 4, I think it's Arrow Pictures. He's oh, great. Oh. Working, working through them. Oh, that's cool. Does he do, um, does he do comedy too? Uh, he does. He tends to rep- represent films that are like you know, with, with that have kind of inspirational. Let's values. reverse it because I'm going to try to leave it to the Lord. I just wanted to one more thing. The other thing, the next thing, I, next thing I would ask her. Wait, who's the Christian? If she had, she had, if she had told me the name of her film, she would have probably started to describe it, and I would have got a little confused. And I said, oh, "Really, what genre is it? What, what yeah. genre is it in?" Oh, oh, and, Oh, it's a dark comedy with a, with a, a, a horror theme, and then there's actually an adventure in the middle. I what's know what, why I'm what's your, selling what's it. What's your, what's, your, what's, your, what's, your, what's your target market? What, what oh, well, well, we want to reach, like, uh, you know, teenage boys, because that's a really great market. Have you sold it in the U.S. or internationally yet? or? Uh, we're just starting out, really. We're just... We're do you have a screening here? Um, yeah, actually, we do. Oh, really? What, yeah. what is it? Did you have, do you have an extra couple yeah, of uh, uh, tickets or anything? I'd love to see it. It sounds like a great film. Oh, really? 
you want to come to see it? I'd love to. Oh, yeah. great. Now, oh, yeah. If I don't have my badge, it's a... Well, well, that's actually, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm the badge, but I have a friend who's going to be with me that day. Could, do you have an extra pet ticket I could bring um, along? Yeah, I could do it. Give me your card. I'll see if I can get you for something. Okay, whatever. Okay, but let's reverse it. So it's time to lead it to the Lord. Okay. She's a much better evangelist than I am. She is, she is a born evangelist. I just want to get, we've got to get enough of this oh. inference type of conversation. But, but, but oh. so we, we should be good. But the thing you're looking for well, is target say, market. What's, what's your genre of the film? You know, what have you done with it so far? What's and what? if you talk about films too, whether they're here or outside films, and people, I don't know how many how savvy you guys are about movies, but you know, last week I was at the Screenwriting Expo, and um, uh, what's his name, the Coen Brothers movie, The Serious Man. I had just gone to see that three days before, and I knew, and I sat down with a group of six people and said. So, anybody seen any good movies lately? And the girl next to me, she goes, oh, I saw the Coen Brothers movie. And I'm like, me too. I go, really? And also, we start talking about the movie. And she's like, oh, well, I'm Jewish, you know. I thought, I'm talking to my rabbi about it. I go, and she goes, she goes what, do you, what do you think of it? I go, well, I'm Jewish too. I go, I thought it was so totally funny. I loved it, except I thought the message of it was, like, really dark and hopeless. And she's like, and? <laughs> so it's like that's not life and I go well I actually think there's more you know this is after we talked about the movie for 10 minutes and I was able to then take the conversation talk about the hopelessness of the movie talk about well I actually have I, I feel like there's more to life than that what are you talking about well I, I actually believe the Messiah's come and gives hope to all of us and, huh what well I'm sharing the gospel the whole table of six people got to get all their cars you know 45 minutes so it's really just finding all of these messages have themes in them. So it's a great starting point. If you've seen any movies, hey, have you seen the new? Speak of a movie you've seen in the last month. Yeah, I, Talk I think about the, it. the thing is, what you're going to want to say is you're going to want to use like <laughs> what? What you, you know? I, I don't know what Cindy Bond's uh, uh, floor number is, but say um, say, say we're, we're working in association with um, we're, we're kind of a support group here helping um, uh, Promenade Pictures at uh, four four thirty one. You know, you, get, you have a room number, you give an actual thing. So, oh, okay, okay, good night. Because, as I said, there's a lot of hangers-on who are here basically just like, you know, kids out of film school, and they've got their little packet, and they don't have any passes, and it's like, you know, because literally everybody is sizing you up in the first 10 seconds. Who the heck are you? And why should I spend my time talking to you? Yeah. Uh, now, the thing is, and, and the thing is, if you start talking about films, you start talking about something in common. You know, did, have you seen anything you liked? Are you, are you looking forward to anything? Or if you've seen a movie, if you don't go to a lot of movies, you've only seen one movie in the last month. Hey, did you see that movie, blah, 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 because then you know you're talking about something you know about. Mm-hmm. And think through how that theme of whatever that movie you've seen in the last month, how that would relate to moving toward a message of hope and a message of... Yeah, what, what's, another question is, what, what film, what, uh, they'll tell you their film, you say, well, what's, what's that film like? Say, what's, what's the film like that's out in the market right now? You know, and they'll say, oh, it's like, um, you know, The Men Who Stare at Goats, you know, and you'll say, oh, really? I, I'm looking forward to that film or something. They'll, they'll try to compare it with some other film, and that, if you've seen it. The how other thing is... You, hang on, how many of you have seen a movie in the last month? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and Darren, okay. Um, well, those of you that haven't, <laughs> I recommend you go to a movie, like, one night this week Because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're basically, it'd be like going to, you know, yeah, it's, it... it yeah, you're going, you're, this is the mission field you're in, so you need to become familiar with the vernacular. So at least just see one movie, then you can talk about it. <laughs> one of the other things is these magazines are given out for free. They, they have people in the, in the lobby passing them out for free. The Hollywood Reporter, Daily Variety. Uh, oh, what's the other one? Come on. Uh, in, uh, uh, film. 
it's another, it's, a, it's the European version of this, and my mind's just blanking on me right now. Uh, they're in all the markets. Uh, but pick up this, scan through this, and see what the ads are. By the way, in this, in this book also lists the films that are being shown and the distributors as well, and the floors that they're on. And, but the thing you want to look at is you want to look at the ads. You want to see who's pushing what ad and where. And uh, become familiar with this. And then, because you have something to talk about. It says, oh, I saw that uh, Odin's Eye was uh, pushing a film, film like that here this weekend or something like that. You know, it's like, or look, you look, look for the big ads and find out who's, you know, Millennium. New, New Homage is always a big, big player at these things. They take out big ads, you know, and find out. You'll see who the stars are. You'll see what kind of genres are selling. Uh, these are great to pick up, and they're free. Uh, they'll, they'll be, in fact, they have people, Daily Variety and Hollywood Brand, people passing them out to anybody who walks in because they want everybody to get one. Uh, so these are great places to start in terms of if you want to start a conversation or something like that. It gives you some. I have put money in my meters. Anybody have four quarters for a dollar? Or a quarter? Come on. Yeah, four quarters. Four quarters. Oh, yeah. uh, so do, should we do Q&A? Does anybody have any questions? Uh, we still have uh, So I, I was hoping you could do aware one's a filmmaker and, and you're well, one of us. Okay, let, let, let Nikki do that. She's better at better advanced with the first Okay. You no. want to do that or no? Yeah, sure. Do that. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm okay, just, so so I'm just sorting out my materials here, and Nikki comes up. Go ahead. Sitting down. This, now, so. the other thing is networking is something that happens a lot here. So it's not unusual for somebody to come up and start a conversation. You this is strangers yeah. all. Yeah, you talk to strangers. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll demonstrate. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. Okay. <gasps> what a day. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's my personality. It's been crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a booth here? Uh, no, I've got an agent. He's uh, he's basically selling my film for me. I, I was in the booth last year, but uh, this year we're just kind of picking up distributors we haven't got yet. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. This is this is really. How about yourself? You you sell something? Well, no, actually, I'm here with um. I'm actually here with a, a group that's connected with Promenade Pictures. Okay. We're actually a support group. We're with a, some, we're called the American Film Market Initiative. So we're just actually here to support filmmakers and uh, some of the people that are attending the event here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, have you ever? Have you ever? You probably haven't heard of us because it's not like we're just kind of. A well, I've heard of Promenade. I know they've done a bunch. What are they doing now? Um, you I'm also sure. don't know what Promenade's doing. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're. They just got to do the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I think they just got done doing the Ten Commandments, and um, they have a slate of they have a slate of family-friendly films. I mean, part of yeah, I think part part of what we're wanting to do here is really um, we know how difficult it is for filmmakers to get their films distributed, so we're trying to be here to support people on a spiritual level as well as a practical level. I wouldn't give that much information Not about yourself up front. I would, I would basically <laughs> ask the other person as much. Let them do. Yeah, all I would too. But you're not talking, so. Oh, so well, no, just keep asking me about my film. Okay. Oh, okay. Tell me about your yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the thing is, why am I oh, here? Tell me about your film. What yeah, you yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. The less you say about yourself, the better. Yeah. And, yeah. and even okay, the tell support. Me about your film. Just try to say. Tell me about your film. Okay. So, oh, it's uh, it's because uh, they would be glad to watch. What's it's this film? It's called the. Uh, called The Fall of Night. We're actually changing our title to uh, Midnight Reckoning, which is a much more thing. In fact, I'm not... 
I, I'm not even giving examples to other people that the real thing my sales agent is doing is called this Midnight Reckoning. So really, it's a really cool little film. It's Midnight a, yeah. Reckoning? Yeah, this, this is it here. It's called, it's, it's, this, we changed our name to the film. And this is the, Why? Why did you change the name? It's just, it's just, it was, this was kind of the film festival name and we realized that we needed a more of a kind of a fighting marketing name. It's a really cool thriller. It's an apocalyptic thriller. Oh, I know this guy. I worked with him and I worked, I directed him in Guys and Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, but we've had, we have a lot of great reactions. I mean, you can see people just from people like Ted Barrett's movie guide. We got some things from other major directors, key key people. <laughs> from, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so and uh, film film festival, we've had a lot of great stuff, and plus we've got some amazing test screening stuff. So yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you represent any market, or do you uh, do you know no markets that are open to? Because uh, we're still looking for international sales. Mm-hmm. In uh, mm-hmm. we're still actually I'm still looking for cable sales. Is what I'm looking really? for. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well. Um, I, I'm, we're just meeting people here. I don't, I'm not really a, I'm being one of you guys. <laughs> um, we're not really, we're not really a sales agent, but, um, but. Have I'm you heard thinking, of anything? So the other thing is, yeah. if, it doesn't matter if you're not doing it. Yeah. If you can give people information, then you have some currency in your hand. Mm-hmm. Say, so, but I've heard mm-hmm. that. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, 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 we're blah, not going to get that yeah. far into it, though, right? We'll, maybe. We'll, we'll probably just going to be asking questions. Yeah. yeah so, I, I, would, well, I would take a good 10, like Nikki said, the first a good 10 minutes to set this up because once you establish a relationship, you can talk about almost anything. Yeah, then, so let's say we're 10 minutes into talking about your movie, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, you know what I'd love to do? One of the things we're doing is we're really here doing kind of spiritual support too for mm-hmm. people. So is there anything specific that I could pray for you for about this? It sounds like we need to pray for cable cable distribution for you, right? What do you mean by spiritual support? Is it kind of like a... Well, we're just, we're praying for people and um, we're here because we sort of come into a relationship with God and we feel like film is such a crucial thing in terms of making an impact on the world. So we want to be here to support films and messages of them and the people specifically that are the filmmakers. So well, we can pray that my film gets sold. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, would, that would be a big help. I appreciate that. Can 